This episode of AHLA Speaking of Health Law is brought to you by AHLA members and donors like you. For more information, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org. Hi, I'm Norm Tabler with this month's edition of The Lighter Side of Health Law. Call me insensitive. Call me insensitive, but I have a hard time siding with Dr. Anuj Padada in his fight with Colorado's Centura Health. You decide. A week after accepting a job offer from Centura, and before ever reporting to work, Dr. Padata informed Centura that he had physician burnout and would need, quote, several months off to recover before it could start. When he refused to sign a new contract, Centura said he had turned the job down. This being America, Dr. Padata naturally sued Centura for violating the ADA. I'm all for giving employees sick leave, but it seems to me that before you're entitled to several months of sick leave, you ought to show up for at least one day. The case is Padata versus Catholic Health Initiatives, District of Colorado. Irony of the Month. This month's Irony of the Month involves the ever-mounting evidence that Dr. Francesca Gino of Harvard Business School is guilty of fabricating the data she used to support her dozens of research papers in highly regarded peer-reviewed journals. Where's the irony, you're wondering? Is it the fact that Dr. Gino is highly regarded in her field? That she's on the faculty at Harvard? Not really. It's her primary subject matter. She's an authority on honesty. Yes, honesty. Her work focuses on how small adjustments in behavior can improve the honesty of test subjects. One well-known experiment showed that when people fill out a tax or insurance questionnaire, they're more honest if asked to attest to the truth of their answers at the top of the questionnaire rather than the bottom. Now experts, including her own co-authors, are coming forth in droves to indicate that she fabricated or at least manipulated the data she used to support her conclusions. So the irony of the month is that a worldwide authority on honesty stands accused of dishonesty in her research on honesty. Honestly, a very expensive shortcut. When lawyers with the eminent law firm Proskauer Rose drafted a partnership agreement for venture capitalist client Dr. Robert Edelman, founder of VenBio, they had a crackerjack idea on how to save themselves time and their client money. They would simply cut and paste provisions from another agreement. What could possibly go wrong? A lot, it turns out. One provision they pasted in gave another man the power to decide to have the partnership enter into, quote, strategic transactions, and also the power to decide what was and was not a strategic transaction. That other man exercised the power, costing client Edelman to lose an amount he calculates at $636 million. Now the client has sued Proskauer for his $636 million. But hey, they probably saved a good half hour by cutting and pasting. The case is Edelman versus Proskauer Rose, Suffolk County Superior Court, Massachusetts. The meanness defense. Here's a new defense. Texas attorney Nicholas Mosser was charged with unprofessional conduct and contempt after he repeatedly made disrespectful comments about a judge, including accusing the judge of, quote, atrocious conduct of an individual masquerading as a judge and of not knowing the law. A contempt hearing was set before a three-judge panel, and Nicholas was ordered to appear. Nicholas, being Nicholas, moved to disqualify all three judges. The motion failed. He did not appear. His lawyer explained that Nicholas didn't have to appear because he hadn't been formally served with an order setting the date. The lawyer did not explain how he, the lawyer, knew the date. What was Nicholas's defense? Well, his lawyer explained, quote, he's just mean, but his meanness doesn't really hurt anything. 
The court upheld the charges and sanctioned Nicholas $3,600. Well, that fixes that. Well, there was a problem with the justice system in Lincoln County, Oklahoma, but not to worry, it's been taken care of. The problem? Well, when presiding over a trial of a man accused of murdering his girlfriend's two-year-old son, instead of paying attention to the proceedings, Judge Tracy Soderstrom spent hours, hours on her cell phone, texting and scrolling through social media sites. How do we know? Because it was picked up on the courtroom camera. When the video went public, the citizenry was outraged. But not to worry, Judge Tracy has addressed the problem. Her solution? She moved the camera so that she's no longer in the picture. Now she can scroll in peace. You can't make this stuff up. Attorney suspended for pretending to be an attorney. You have to hand it to New Jersey attorney Ralph Gonzalez. He managed to get suspended for pretending to be an attorney even though he is an attorney. How did he do it? Well, he was on a three-month suspension for weapons charges, not to be confused with his earlier three-month suspension for a road rage incident. While Ralph was suspended, his friend Christopher Stoner was facing suspension of his driver's license. And Ralph, being a stand-up guy, wanted to help his friend, so he shut up for Stoner's traffic hearing. When the bailiff asked for identification, Ralph handed him a business card reading, John A. Underwood, Attorney at Law. Things were going well until a DMV employee did an internet search of John Underwood and, not surprisingly, discovered that the Underwood on the screen did not look the least like the man representing Stoner. The employee was puzzled, but Stoner's DMV file included the record of a telephone inquiry from a Ralph Gonzalez, and an internet search of that name produced a photo that was a dead ringer for the man representing Stoner in traffic court. Well, of course, that meant that Ralph was not Attorney John Underwood in good standing. He was Ralph, not in good standing, but suspended. That fact, plus Ralph's earlier ethics violations, resulted in a brand new one-year suspension. The Church of Holy Clorox. Okay, they didn't really call it the Church of Holy Clorox. They called it Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing. But they should have called it Holy Clorox because the miracle healing solution they peddled was homemade bleach they cooked up in the backyard. Mark Grennan and sons Jonathan, Joseph, and Jordan call themselves the Archbishop and Bishops of Genesis 2 Church, and they peddled their bleach as a cure-all that could cure 95% of the world's diseases, including cancer, Ebola, HIV, AIDS, Alzheimer's, and autism. Did it cure any of those things? Of course not. Did it sicken people and send them to the ER? Of course it did. Charged with conspiring to illegally distribute the substance, as well as violation of an injunction against it, they chose to represent themselves, and they got their money's worth. After a two-day trial, the jury took all of 30 minutes to convict all defendants on all counts. The case is U.S. versus Grennan, Southern District of Florida. Owner of the biter, father of the victim. What happens when a state's parental immunity doctrine collides with its dog bite statute? The question arose in New Jersey when Frank Barkowski's new Rottweiler, Blaze, attacked and injured Frank's son, Frankie. Frank sued the kennel that sold him, Blaze, claiming it had told him Blaze was good around children. The kennel counterclaimed, arguing that under the dog bite statute, Frank himself, as Blaze's owner, was solely liable for all damages. Frank responded that he had not brought the suit under the dog bite statute. He'd alleged misrepresentation and false advertising. Besides, parents are immune from liability, except in cases of willful and wanton behavior. Remarkably, the trial court agreed with Frank, ruling, quote, this is not a dog bite case. But the appellate court disagreed, holding that it was a dog bite case, and that the dog bite statute trumped parental immunity, 
Under the dog bite statute, a dog owner is always liable for damage to a person lawfully on the owner's property. Of course, Frankie was lawfully in Frank's home. He lives there. Therefore, Frank alone was liable for Frankie's injuries. The case is Barkowski versus Weber Training School, New Jersey Appellate Division. Head Scratcher of the Month. This month's Head Scratcher of the Month comes from the Ohio Court of Appeals. The estate of Scott Boldman sued Nurse Sandra Ward and related entities for causing Scott's death during an emergency appendectomy. The trial court instructed the jury to answer two questions. Was Nurse Sandra negligent and did the negligence cause Scott's death? The judge also said if a juror answered the first question no, i.e. that Sandra was not negligent, then that juror should not answer the second question, i.e. whether her negligence caused Scott's death. The jury ruled in Sandra's favor, but the appeals court reversed. Why? Because the appeals court said the trial judge should have instructed the jury that even jurors who found that there was no negligence needed to answer the question whether that that non-negligence caused Scott's death. You can't make this stuff up. The case is Hild versus Good Samaritan Health, Ohio Court of Appeals. Complaint Department. Walk back. Have you noticed that politicians and their lawyers and spokesmen no longer correct or retract earlier statements? No, they walk them back. A recent headline in the Washington Post read, The White House Keeps Walking Back Biden's Remarks. We think we know what that means, but do we really? Take the headline. Did the White House retract a statement, reverse it, qualify it, condition it? We don't know. And one reason we don't know is that the phrase is always used by someone else. President Biden never said, I walk that back. No one ever has. It's always somebody saying that someone else walks something back. So what we're getting is a secondhand hearsay statement that is as ambiguous as you can get. And on top of all that, there's no walking involved. It's talking, not walking. I say let's put the phrase out of its misery, stop confusing talking with walking, and say what we mean. Well, that's it for this month's edition. I hope you liked it. I'll be back next month with another edition of The Lighter Side of Health Law. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to AHLA Speaking of Health Law wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about AHLA and the educational resources available to the health law community, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org.